This week on Invasion of the Podcast, we continue our year of the sequel as we look at the big-budget DC superhero movie that got a maligned theatrical release and after much uh, angry fan demand, got a director's cut, Superman 2. Coming this summer. Oh, no. Disaster. It's in theaters now. That can only mean one thing. Doggone it, you're right. Mm -hmm. It looks like they've ordered a sequel. (laughs) Now. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, the legend continues. What's it called? It's called, uh... Robocop 2. Uh... Clerks 2. It's called... The Invasion of the Podcast. Part 2. And that's when things got knocked into 12th gear. The year of the sequel. Too risky. Sequels are almost always disappointing. Welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, year of the sequel, where we try to take over sequels one sequel at a time. That doesn't make any sense. Um, my name is Paul, and somewhere out there floating in the Phantom Zone is Steve. Hello, everyone. I am here. I am Zod. Kneel before me. <laughs> I, you know, I had some questions about that. I mean, one, yeah, we should kneel before Steve. Um, and and like, was that only his only goal? Was like, yeah, I want to take over a planet. But he never once showed any inclination for like resource management or like wealth. He just wanted people kneeling before him, which I feel like if you did it like once, he'd probably let you go about your business. That that's what I feel like. Yeah, it's it's one of those things uh, that I wonder about when I was watching the movie. Like they take over this small town at first, and I'm like, well, you know, once they're gone, you guys can go back to like normal life. Like this really isn't going to affect you on some sort of major level. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, no, they're flying overhead. Everybody just kneel, just kneel. Okay. All right, let's just get back to, we got, you know, got to get these dishes done. You know, like, <laughs> it's just, um, you know, like, whatever. Zod I, didn't have a, a plan for the economy. He had no stance on immigration. He, yeah, he's problematic. He was just, he was just a larger-than-life personality that wanted attention and um, adoration for no apparent reason, right? Um Man, I'm glad that I'm glad that superhero movies are just fantasy. And <laughs> um, but yeah, so w- w- this is going to be a little a little different of a discussion uh, than our other year of the sequels because we 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 are, we are talking about a sequel to a film that was released. Uh, it's a little different circumstances, and um, yeah, and, and and also I think Steve specifically picked this movie. Uh, because since as of tomorrow, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 17th, as of tomorrow, uh, Zack Snyder's four hour, um, you know, hug from your dad that came back from getting cigarettes cut of justice Lee's coming on HBO max, which we're covering next week. So, you know, Steve thought, why not? It would be a good idea to, to revisit another DC movie that, you know, had some, some issues behind the scenes and then got a cut later. And I think that was a really good call. So I, I know that we've talked about things like Alien 3 and other films that, uh, you know, either the director felt weren't their vision or were hacked up. I, I can't think of another movie that got like a director's cut, not specifically one where it was like, oh, here's a director's cut that includes additional footage. This was my first cut or something along those lines. But I can't think of another movie that had a release where the director was taken off. And I mean, solo might be the first thing that comes to mind, I guess, 
but I don't know that we even actually saw any of like Lord Miller's footage. It sounds like the entire movie was reshot with that. Like this is the original Superman two that was released in theaters in eighty two was a hybrid. So I I don't know. Can you think of another example? Like uh, I I'm I'm racking my brain just thinking about it. So Have what you... you're saying in terms of like it was a project that was taken away from somebody and then it was still like finished and put out under like, but it wasn't just like a direct video thing. It was like a big, like major release. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Where there'd be so much like footage that like another cut of the film could exist. Hmm. That's, um, that is a good question. I mean, I know, I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, alien three, which I mean, they, they pretty much had their assembly cut, right? That's the, that's where they were put out, but that was never, put out theatrically uh, later and adventure w- was not involved in that whatsoever. Uh, Ridley Scott, that film kingdom of heaven. Um, I, I have not seen the theatrical cut or his, his extended cut, but I, from everything I've heard, the studio butchered that movie and tried to fit it under two hours and people hated it. And he's like, no, 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 I have, I have a version that, that makes this movie significantly better. And when he finally got to release the, his director's cut, people came around to it, but that's different than him shooting like, you know, all the stuff and then them just like, you know, cobbling together something. So I don't know if that really answers your question. Yeah. I was just, I was thinking about it as you were talking and I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I can't think of too many other instances where another director was brought into a project. Like for instance, Dr. of Island Moreau, um, I almost said Monroe, um, uh, director Richard Stanley, uh, was taken off of that, but I don't know how much of the film he'd actually gotten shot at that time uh, by the time he was taken off and how much of his footage exists. Um, there's actually a really great documentary on uh, uh, the making of that movie. It's really bizarre. I think it's called... Uh, oh, I can't think of the name of it right now. That's what it's called. Um, mm-hmm. It's like Lost Something or Other. But uh, anyways, it's the making of uh, Richard Stanley's Dr. Island Moreau. Uh, or Island of Dr. Moreau. Um, yeah, and I know I'm bringing the conversation to a halt here, but just to preface the conversation, I was trying to think of another example, and I mean, maybe Snyder Cut is the the best way to frame this, but, you know, going back to, you know, 1978 when Superman came out, you know, they had filmed Superman 1 and 2 together, and I think that that's the first thing that we should probably mention here, is that Richard Donner had filmed most of two, and the idea was was that they were supposed to film them together, but it got to a point where they were, you know, so far behind budgetary wise and and um, production wise that they were like, well, let's put out one and come back and finish two. Um, and there was some tension with Richard Donner. I shouldn't just say some tension. There was a lot of tension between Richard Donner. And the Selkines, who were the producers of the film, who, you know, kept telling him that he was over budget and, you know, was, um, uh, what's uh, what's the term? Uh, I don't want to say overproduction, but he was running over in days of, of what he should have had for production. But they never gave him a production schedule. They never told him specifically what money was available. Um, and I, I think that he... <laughs> He at one point said, like, why don't you just tell me, you know, that the movie's got to be done in three days and we'll shoot over for the next three months. Like something <laughs> along those lines. <laughs> but yeah. he was kind of put in an impossible position at that time, making the original Superman and Superman 2. Um, but Superman then comes out. It's a big hit. Everyone's expecting Richard Donner to come back, including the cast. And the Selkines decide, we don't want Richard Donner back. We're going to have somebody else re- reshoot the movie. 
Um, and Tom Mankiewicz, who is credited as, I think, the... Um, it's like a it's it's a weird credit. It's a creative credit. It's not a writer credit, if I remember correctly, because Mario Puzo wrote the the screenplay, or at least the story in which most of the movies are, are based off of. I, I think it's more safe to say that Mankiewicz is probably the true author of Superman one and two than say Mario Puzo. That said, he had always uh, said that uh, had Superman not done well, they would have made Dick Donner come back and finish Superman two anyway, out of spite. So that kind of tells you what the relationship <laughs> oh, was Jesus. there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so to, to answer your question of what something that almost happened, this is, this is not the same thing as to answer your question, but it's a film we actually covered about what, two years ago, the dark tower, um, there, that, that production, uh, the test screenings weren't so hot that Sony actually was leaning on the producers to bring in a different, um, different director to finish it. But Ron Howard and Kiva Goldsman, Goldsman actually just, uh, followed up with, um, director, uh, was it Nicolaj Arcel and just kind of gave him some notes of like how to kind of clean it up, clean up the music and the, the narrative. So it, that almost got pulled by Sony and had almost brought somebody else in to, to, to finish that movie. Um, you know, say for, for what it's worth, I knew there was one that we had talked about. Yeah, yeah, and I, I remembered our Alien Three conversation quite well because I know that you were a fan of the assembly cut, if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. I think that saves that movie. Um, but so yeah, like, so no win situation, right? That I think that's I think a good thing to point out because there was a video that you had sent me that was kind of talking about the the. Uh, how they they made this Donner cut appear this you know and we'll get more into what this all entails. Uh, they're talking about at the time how they're shooting these movies not back to back but concurrently, and I think that's a big thing to mention is that um, they had both scripts planned out and that uh, they would show what was it if they were shooting things at the Daily Planet for Superman one they'd shoot all that and then shoot everything they needed for part two like at the same time like the amount of continuity and coordination and just the mental gymnastics to keep that all together. I, I, I and even then, cause I mean, like there was a lot of money there. So there's a lot of coordination. I'm sure that that could be done now with like, um, with the, like it, it'd still be monumental. Don't get me wrong, but with the amount of technology, how people can kind of instantly communicate with each other and, and up to date everything. I cannot begin to understand how people were able to keep that ship running as much as they did to shoot as much as they did of the second movie while completing the first one. That is crazy to me. Yeah. They also mention uh, in the commentary for the Donner cut that both um, Gene Hackman and Marlon Brando had start and end dates. So they're filming two movies and we'll, we'll talk actually a little bit more about Brando because he's excised from the theatrical cut altogether uh, over financial reasons, but uh, they had to shoot everything that either had Brando or Gene Hackman first. So if you see Gene Hackman popping up at all within um, the, the theatrical version of Superman two, that's all Dick Donner footage simply because he refused to come back for two. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, since our conversation, this, I feel like, this is a hard one to to specifically talk about the Donner cut because this has this exists because it was intended first, right? But then the theatrical cut came out, so this is going to be a conversation of back and forth of one versus the other, right? That's kind of I mean I mean that's ultimately where I feel like it's going to land, unless you have a different way through here, unless you want to hit me on the head and drive me through the pavement, and then we hear a thirty second fight sequence that no one sees, 
underneath the pavement. And you no, have a I, I, I think that you know, there's really no way to attack this other than talking about comparisons. Unfortunately, I mean, uh, I talked a little bit about the history behind it and how the movie got uh, reshot or why. Um, which actually, I believe Dick Donner. Believe he said he was never even ever given a reason why. Like, I don't know if it was his agent or his lawyer just told him, like, yeah, they don't want you back for two or something along those lines. So, um, but I, I really don't know another way to attack this other than doing a comparison. So, yeah, um, with I uh, getting ready for the show, I watched the Donner Cut, um, which, uh, by the way, it's what I, I mentioned. I, I was trying to, I, you would think this would be available on HBO Max. Um, because it is another Superman film. This one's not available. The, the theatrical cut is, which I think is weird that they wouldn't have, especially since they're premiering the Justice League director's cut tomorrow, that why wouldn't they have the Donner cut? I don't know. That seems weird to me. Um, it was available to rent for, what, four bucks on Amazon or to buy for five. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm buying it. I pulled a Steve of like, well, it's $1 more. I guess I'm just going to own Superman 2 on Amazon, the director's cut, which, you know, I don't regret it, but I like that, that, that pricing of, well, you could have it for 24 hours for $4, or you could just have it forever for five. I'm like, all right, you win. <laughs> um, so I watched that one first. I watched the Donner cut first. Cause honestly, um, I know we covered Superman, the first film, um, during our year of the knockoff, um, a couple of years ago. And we talked about that and then we compared it to, uh, you know, a film that, uh, I had more fun with than um, uh, super, the regular Superman 2, which was Condor Man, which we needed more. I think we needed more Condor Man and the Superman 2. I'm just kidding. Um, the, both start in Paris, though. The, the the theatrical cut and Condor Man both start in Paris. Do you, do you, do you remember that? I, you know. I, I do remember that. <laughs> and so, I don't know. Is there a connection? Maybe. Um, but So we talked about that time and what worked and how it still holds up. And then we come into this and I realized that I had not seen Superman two uh, since as an adult. So watching the Donner cut first almost feels unfair to the Donner cut because it's like, or, or maybe, maybe it's even more fair. Maybe because the, my, my slate was so clean that I didn't overthink what was different because I didn't realize what was, if that makes sense. Yeah, and there, there's a couple of things to, to mention real quick with that, too. I mean, the film begins, like, they, they lay it out on the line, like, hey, this cut of this film includes cut scenes and test footage, and uh, it's trying to restore what the original version of Superman 2 is. And they're basically saying that so that people aren't suddenly ajarred when things change within a scene. Um, and we'll talk about a big scene later in the film. Uh, that they had to use uh, the test footage for both Margot Kidder and uh, um, I almost said Henry Cavill for some reason, Christopher Reeve, uh, <laughs> for the film. And uh, a scene that Donner felt was so important that he actually used it to test actors with. And uh, they changed completely in the theatrical. Uh, but the point that I was trying to make is, is that you know going into this, uh, if you're sitting down and you've never seen the Donner cut and you've never... And, or, you haven't seen two in a while and you've never seen the Donner cut, please know walking in, there are things that are going to seem very familiar and there are things that are going to seem very different to you. And there's going to be an end of the movie and you're like, wait, what? So just keep that in mind. Um, this was, 
I think created much more with the fan in mind as opposed to the general audience. Like we, we mentioned this Snyder cut earlier, like they're building this up as being a general audience thing, like that everyone wants this, not just people who uh, are comic book fans, not people who are vocal on the internet. They're, they're doing a, a major marketing campaign for this. They're really putting it out there. Like it's a centerpiece for HBO max the Donner cut was put together by love and by um, footage that was found while they were prepping Superman returns and another who really wanted to put this version out. I, I don't know. I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is, is that uh, if you're somebody who isn't uh, familiar with Superman two, this may bode well for you watching the Donner cut first, but I don't know really if there's a, a great way to put the two up. Like, I don't know what, a, 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 there's no perfect viewing order, I guess. Well, I mean, what you're, what you're dancing around is that since two, there was an intent with two, the way Donner had set it up with the ending they were going to have. But then since they had to just, they, they were ordered to, to finish the first one, they went with an ending that was intended for two. And with this one, um, the, since this was supposed to be restoring like the original vision, they just went with what the original ending was supposed to be. So you're, and you're dancing around, like it's going to seem weird, but it's like, this is basically, um, it, it is a completed film. Like there's no doubt about it. Uh, and it's a complete film and it makes sense. It, it you know, runs a to B it's perfectly fine. Uh, it isn't like it, I mean, it, but it's still almost like a, uh, like, um, like a, what if, like what if Donner got to finish this movie the way he intended originally. So it makes you also wonder like, could they have told us what their original plan was for the ending of the first movie? Cause that would have been, well, I mean, I, let me take that back. If they were to finish the second movie with this ending, the way they intended, what was supposed to be the ending of the first movie? I think the, the ending, and I, I, I don't have this like from a, an official, you know, uh, script or anything like that, but just based on the way the, the first one or the second one starts in Donner's cut is that, they probably ended it with Superman being able to stop both missiles. How? I don't know, because there's two missiles, and one that um, he throws off into space that is what frees the <laughs> Phantom uh, Zone criminals, but yeah. the second one then detonates and kills Lois Lane, and that's why he spins the Earth back around. The beginning of this film, uh, when Clark shows up at the Daily uh, Planet, we're literally like days within the ending of the first Superman. And there's an article about how he saved the missile. And actually you see him putting the missile out into space again and freeing the phantom zone criminals in this as well. So I think the idea was just that he stops both missiles. And okay. I think that's why they were like, this isn't a big enough ending. We need something big for the ending of our first movie. Okay. That's fair. Um, so, okay. Um, yeah, and we'll get to the the ending that they they repurposed. Well, you know, for the original theatrical of the first, and then what they did here for the Donner cut. We'll talk more about that later. Um, I, you know, I will also say that like, um, if the intent was the missile that like I, if it was him throwing it off in space, which then would happen to be relatively near, you know, the um, the Phantom Zone um, trapezoid or whatever it was, like you know, uh, that caused it to break open and get the the three of them out. Um, I think that's kind of an interesting through line because you see a direct consequence of heroics in the first movie leading to a bigger problem in the second. That's actually really cool. Uh, what I find odd though, is that uh, you get Marlon Brando at one point being like, Oh, 
they there's three guys are sitting in the phantom zone they should be perfectly fine unless a missile explodes nearby or whatever he says i'm like well that's oddly specific don't you think where it's like unless there's some type of you know uh a radiate radioactive explosion nearby <laughs> right <laughs> i was like well yeah like you know it's it's like what are you not telling us like <laughs> um so i thought that was funny but i like that better than um Oh, like they, but the same kind of way though, here, I'll give you, Steve, I'll challenge you with this. Um, I think that makes just as much sense as in the theatrical cut, there's a whole beginning sequence of Superman saving, uh, Paris, uh, from a bomb. And he takes like the elevator that has the bomb out of the Eiffel tower and flies it up the space and throws it. And that's what causes the, the phantom zone, uh, prisoners to, to, to be freed I, that, I mean, again, that is, it's the same thing and it, both of them feel very comic booky, but mm-hmm. I like the idea that his actions from the first is, is literally more of like, Hey, the, the, the stakes are raised because you saved the day, but you, you inadvertently have now caused something much bigger to happen. So now you have to be that much more of a hero. I think that's still a bigger deal, even though I still think throwing, um, you know, an elevator in the space that has a bomb on it. Like, I still think they get you to point B really without a problem. Yeah, I mean, it, it does the job, and I don't know that I could say one is better than the other in the sense of, like, well, why would, you know, what's really the difference here? I mean, they're both explosions that free them. It's essentially the same concept, so I can't say that, like, one is more solid concretely. I mean, I, other than what you're saying, you know, I, I think, yes, uh, the fact that his actions lead to, you know, the, the Phantom Zone being destroyed and the three criminals being released uh i think that uh, other than that they're pretty similar and they're pretty much the same ideas i mean the thing that i go back to with this opening scene is just how different it is uh f- than what we see in the theatrical um mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm a little torn i kind of like I kind of like the 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 him showing up in Paris. Uh, now, the unfortunate part about that is is that it also makes Lois look like an idiot. I'm not sure <laughs> what she's doing and what her plan is. Nope. She wants a, uh, she wants a uh, Nobel Prize, right? She kept saying a Nobel, what for journalism for like I, strapping yeah. herself to an elevator in Paris. Uh, also, I want to point out that I love that um, they're like, oh, there's terrorism in Paris. Like this is when Superman finds this out, and. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah. Perry White's like, yeah, we sent, uh, we sent Lois to Concord. She's there now, which, um, like, wow. Like I also forgot that like Concords could move that fast. Like we, we've forgotten about Concord planes being like, you know, they, she could have been a fair in Paris just in a couple hours after leaving New York. But I like the idea of like, well, Paris can be leveled. Yeah. I want my, 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 my number one reporter there to cover it. If it happens, I'm like, well, then you won't have a number one reporter anymore. You know, like, <laughs> That's a very good point. I, I had never really actually even thought of it in that way. Um, but what I do think is, is interesting about it is, is that I, I like that it opens with an action sequence. And, but I'm also torn because Donner's cut begins with a, a scene we've never seen before. Um, and it starts off with Lois being smart. Like it's literally uh, once we get past the opening scene with, uh, us seeing the Phantom Zone uh, being created and what happens within the context of Superman 1, the first scene is Lois figuring out kind of that Superman 
and Clark Kent are the same person. Um, it's a little silly the way she does it. She's doodling on a drawing of Superman and realizes that like if she puts a hat and a coat on him and some glasses that it looks just like Clark Kent. It makes me think of uh, and then the first uh, Batman film whenever what was his name Arliss draws like the hat and glasses on the bat <laughs> and puts yeah. the picture up in the police station like. <laughs> It's almost like, it's like that bat looks like a man, you know. <laughs> but I thought that uh, I think the, the the conceit behind it's funny. I don't know if the joke works that well though. Basically, what happens is is that Lois uh, confronts Clark right away. She's like, "Hey, you know what? I'm pretty sure you're Superman, and what I'm going to do is to prove it, I'm going to jump out a window. <laughs> so either I'm going to die because you're not Superman." Or you're going to save me and prove me right. So, which is the, wait, I'm sorry, which is the more suicidal act: strapping yourself to an elevator uh, in, in Paris near a bomb, or just throwing yourself out a window? Like at least, at least throwing herself out the window, she's more sure of what the outcome's going to be. I still don't know what she was going to do when she got up there. Like, <laughs> what was what was her plan on the elevator? Like to report the hell out of it. She's not even riding in the elevator. No, like, she's no, below she, it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I just. I'm going right. to get the interview of the century. Okay. That no one will ever hear because a bomb's going to go off and we're all dead. <laughs> well, even Perry White makes the comedy. He's like, she's such a good reporter that she'll get an exclusive with the bomb. And the headline will be what makes it tick, which is a funny joke. Actually. That is a, uh, that is a pretty good line. I have yeah. to admit that. So his whole, I, I don't know if Perry White likes Lois. Actually. Now I think about it. Like, <laughs> I have, like what happened to Lois? Oh, I sent her off on another dangerous report. Yeah. Chief, you're giving her a lot of those lately. Yeah. He's like, about that. And he just goes back to like smoking a cigar and whatever. <laughs> and he's like, listen, this is, I gotta, I gotta put in my, um, my cigar for later when I'm about to go brush my teeth. You know, we'll go, <laughs> we'll talk, we'll talk about his bathroom cigar later. I'm sure. Yeah. That's, uh, struck me as very odd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, this, the scene that results in the Donner cut is, is that she jumps out the window and Clark never changes into Superman, but he runs downstairs as Clark and uh, uses his super breath to slow her, her fall and then his laser eye vision to cause a uh, canopy to come out mm -hmm. and that she can bounce off of and then she comically falls into a fruit stand. Um, and then he runs back upstairs, which is a funny idea of him running back upstairs and going to the window and being like, Lois, what have you done? Like, yeah. I, I thought that was funny. Although that scene is one of the few scenes that they actually filmed for the daughter cut after the fact, using another actor as a stand in for that perspective. Well, that makes sense. You know, that, that I can see why they did it. Cause you can see that and that's fine. Um, so my question to you though, is like, is that any different though, really in terms of execution versus when they, in the, in the, the, the theatrical cut where they're in Niagara falls and she's like, you know what? I know you're Superman. I'm going to throw myself off the waterfall right now into the, into Niagara falls. And you get like, you get a very similar reaction though with Clark. I do like seeing like, I just, I, I can't say enough about Christopher Reeve, like how he's able to be like bumbling and awkward. And then so confident, like there's something there that's amazing. And then watching his body language shift too on camera, which he does in two different ways in both these movies, which I want to mention later. But him running along the water, being like, "Just swim, just do," because he's like, "I can't. I, I want to save her, but I can't. Just I can't just be Superman." And then he like he lasers a log off for her to catch, like uh, to not catch, but like grab onto. And it's like, and then the, he she doesn't even get that, but somehow she still lives and just washes up on the shore. <laughs> um, like 
is that not the same thing though to kind of dissuade her from believing that it's him? It, it is the same thing, but I will uh, say, and I, I can't take credit for this because they talk about it in the commentary, but they're like, you know, the opening scene that we created for the Donner cut of Superman two is that it's supposed to mirror what she does later to prove that he's not Superman and, or That's that he fair. is Superman in, in that she's, she's like, I, I realized that I, the mistake I made the first time was, is that I bet my life, you know, and, and instead I'm going to bet yours. And it works much better. I think in that context, but you're right. the The idea isn't different. It's just that you're basically using a same the same idea and uh, executing it differently. Except it has more weight in Donner's version. Yeah, and then I mean, yeah, talk about like the like the moments in which Superman finally gives up the ghost and, and admits that he is Superman are vastly different in, in both in both versions and. Um, the the Donner cut it plays much better in uh, the theatrical cut. Um, I just want to mention the the world's pinkest room that they're in for the honeymoon <laughs> thing. Um, I don't care what you're gonna. You cannot convince me that those two pillars that are like floor to ceiling lava lamps aren't goddamn awesome. Those are amazing, and I loved them in that room. I. <laughs> I can't debate that. I don't. I, See? I don't have a. a, a, a <laughs> I want you to be like, well, I know you're wrong, but I can't exactly say why. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know that it's something that I would want in my home, but sure, it's 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 you know it's pink and. <laughs> well, I think it's supposed to be like you know the, the like you know, and I think that we saw a lot of this in the '70s and '80s entertainment, where it's like, oh, here's the themed hotel room, you yeah. know, the like sexy room for the newlyweds. Yeah, because we never got that in the Donner cut. It was just, it was just a hotel room, you know. And yeah. I know that works also because of the screen test you're going to talk about. But like you, so I guess and we could talk more about that in a second. What I feel like though, with um, with what's his face, the guy that did the first one, um, and not the first Richard one, Donner, the the, the 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 theatrical cut, the second. The second oh, uh, Richard Lester. Richard Richard Lester. I feel like as much as he was like, "Well, I want my name on this." I feel like he didn't have a unique idea and was like, well, we're just going to reshoot this, but d different enough. Like, and I, I think that like, so in some cases it doesn't add to the movie whatsoever, but I think in some spots it doesn't necessarily take away from the movie either. I just think that some of his sensibilities kind of step on some of the, like some of the real good emotional intent. You know, like, like they were in the honeymoon suite. They could have had this conversation, but how they reveal that Superman was Superman in that is him pinking, uh, sorry, pinking him tripping over a pink bear rug and putting his hand into a fireplace and suddenly he's fine. So then he has to reveal everything versus what you're about to talk about. It's like you get to the same spot, but my gosh, it's like there's way different significant moments there. Yeah, yeah. The the <laughs> the thing that I could say is is that uh, with both of them, you are correct. Um, it's so much in the way that uh, Christopher Reeve portrays uh, Superman in those scenes. But uh, they talk a, a little bit about it in the commentary as well. Uh, and I should just mention this. Uh, you know, I bought this on DVD back when they released it in 2006, and. Uh, I haven't given it a viewing in a long time, but I also own it uh, digitally. And I'm always, uh, oh, how should I put this? 
I am very much of the mind that I, I when people are always talking about like how vastly superior, say, you know, HD is to, you know, standard definition or Blu-ray to TV, DVD. I'm always like, you know, I don't have to have everything in Blu-ray. Like, you know, if I have something that I'm happy with the the DVD version of it, I, I typically. Yeah. Well, that's not true. I, I have a lot of things that I've upgraded, but I, I I'm not a stickler and like a lot of people are. Um, well, no, it's like, like there's certain have, movies that like I own Saving Silverman on D- DVD. I'm good. I don't need, I don't need an HD release of that. I think I'm still good with that movie being the movie I'll watch and it's fun. You know, like I don't need a Blu-ray version of Wayne's World. You know, like right. there's, there's certain movie, like, you know, it, it'd be nice, but that doesn't. That's not why I watch Wayne's World. You know, right. But what's interesting is is that halfway through or three quarters of the way through my rewatch of uh, the Donner cut, uh, my uh, Blu-ray player started having problems with the disc. So I'm like, well, I'll switch over and watch it on Vudu. And I started watching the HD version, and I was like, wow, I've never done a comparison between the two. And I'm like, I thought it looked great on DVD, but looking at it in HD, I'm like, wow, this does. Yeah, they cleaned this. up everything. Like in term, like we when I watched uh, the regular, uh, the the regular theatrical cut on HBO Max, that that was not like an HD version or a cleaned up version. Mm-hmm. Even even like the the regular effects, they they still like kind of cleaned them up. Uh, in the Donner cut, like for the most part, like a lot of the flying, it was a little bit more seamless. Like they got a lot of like, maybe they just, they fixed the coloring because of the matte shots and things, but it looks really good. Like, and it's like, you're like, is this, is this really like the seventies, eighties? Like, you know, and there's some other stuff they added to later. I get it. But like it, 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 it looks good. Like, and it's, it, it surprised me, especially going back and seeing the theatrical cut and seeing how, how, thick some of the lines are around some of the, the actors and some of the, you know, some of the stuff they had to do at the time. Yeah. And it's, it's, I don't want to say it's night and day, but it, it was, it was a pretty stark contrast where I was like, wow, okay, I guess, I guess uh, this is one that it pays to have an HD version of it. So, um, and I, I don't remember where I was going to go with that other than like, no, Hey, we were talking uh, about, looks- yeah, well, I was going to have you talk about the, the hotel sequence, and um, the Donner cut that that reveals like you're talking about the emotional beat and the significance of that moment versus him being in the pink room and falling over a bear and not like his hand was in that fire for a second. Like, let's just be honest. Like, yeah, he did, He wasn't hurt, but also it wasn't like he had his hand stuck in there for like five minutes and him being like, oh, no, Lois, it's fine. I'm sure it's bubbling right now. Please don't look at my hand, you know. Yeah, it wasn't like uh, you know his his clothes caught on fire and he was fine. But what it was, yeah, it wasn't like an um, Army of Darkness where Ash puts his hand on top of like the hot stove top and everything, you know, like <laughs> um, you know whatever. So, but it got the point across. But the thing you're talking about here is it, and I can see why Donner fought to keep it, and it works really, really well. Yeah, the, the scene was used to test uh, multiple actors for the role. Um, so the scene as it plays in the Donner cut is actually cut footage from different auditions. Cause actually you'll even see Clark's hair and, uh, his glasses change a little bit, uh, within the scene. Uh, but, uh, essentially, uh, instead of being in the pink honeymoon suite, uh, they're just in a normal hotel room. Um, similar context. Clark is coming either to pick her up for dinner or to have a conversation about their relationship uh, and they start talking, and during this conversation, you know, Lois just kind of points out, she's like, you know what, I can't believe 
that uh, you know I thought you were Superman or wh- however she phrases it or mm-hmm. whatever. And he just he sort of laughs it off and and she pulls out a gun, which you're like, whoa, what is Lois Lane doing with a gun? And she pulls the gun out. And, you know, Clark's like, oh, you're going to make a terrible mistake, Lois. Oh, my God, don't do this. Don't do this. And she, you know, she's like, I, and I said it earlier, but she's like, you know, I bet with my life. I'm going to bet with yours instead. And then she fires the gun. And, like, he he, he transforms. And Donner talks about this at different points in the movie where he's, he's talking about, like, the the physical transformation that Christopher Reeve as an actor makes. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes from being Clark Kent to Superman with just like standing up a little bit straighter and like maybe putting his chin out or I don't know exactly how he, to define he, it. He's, but, like, he's a little slumped over all the time as Clark. And so when he, like, he stands up straight, he, he like, straightens up his shoulders and he has a more of a direct look and he stops. Like he does the thing with his mouth too, like a little bit where he's like, a little unsure, but then he just suddenly just becomes like, you know, Superman. And it is like, that's really good. Like whenever the gun's fired, he just like stops. And then he's like, he acts like he's shot. And then he's like, Oh wait. And then she's like, she basically is like, yeah, but I shot a blank at you. And that's what he kind of gives up being Clark and becomes what, Superman. What I like about it though, is, is that, you know, He's kind of pissed because he's like, you know, Lois, if you'd have been wrong, you'd have killed Clark Kent. And she's like, oh, really? With a blank? Yeah. That's and it. like, it is kind of funny because it's like, maybe he wouldn't even fill bullets. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> is it that he's just been shot so many times? And he's like, I honestly don't know if these things are bouncing <laughs> off me or not. He's like, I don't even understand how what artillery feels like. I mean, I mean <laughs> is it like a mosquito that- to you guys? I just, is it? I don't know. Like, you know, yeah. There's that great moment in the first one where they're being robbed and the guy shoots at him and he catches the bullet and she doesn't see. Yeah. Um, and he's just, you no know, throws it away. Um, but I really like that moment. Um, it's a, it's a very, you know, gotcha type moment, but it's much better. Because it shows it shows how smart she is that, you know, if, you know, if it turns out that like, you know, it was still Clark, then she's like, I, you know, I pulled a blank on you or whatever. Right. But for him to automatically react, that's a much smarter play than like, hey, by the way, I'm just gonna throw myself into the water. You know, we're done now. Um, yeah, that's a great, it's a great sequence and it's very much in line with what I feel about from my limited knowledge of the comic and the characters, how like she she is his equal in a lot of ways and i think that shows that part of her in the movie really well in the donner cut i agree i also think that uh her um i got it because i i don't i i don't mean to make it sound like she's completely lame-brained in the theatrical but like i i think she's got more shades more emotion i, I think she's also just runtime i think she's just more in the donner cut as well I think that she has more screen time than she does in the theatrical. I could be proven wrong on that, but I, I think that she's a, a more rounded character in it and uh, is more well-defined um, in the original version of this film. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I do in, in the, the theatrical cut, the Lester cut though, there's that bit of her uh, wanting to make orange juice and she's smoking a cigarette and talking about how it's much healthier. That's, that's kind of a funny joke because the orange, the freshly squeezed orange juice thing actually runs through the whole movie. And it's mm-hmm. like, and if you don't get that gag at the beginning, like it, it's okay, but it's like, okay. And then there's that brief, I, I don't, I'll fight you the whole bit of whenever she hands Clark, the orange juice, take a drink. And there's like, maybe like a third of an inch in the cup after like five oranges being squeezed. 
That's kind of a funny gag too. After all the work she put into it and there's not much orange juice in the cup. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is a weird way to, way to go with conversation. I don't know that I've ever tried to make homemade orange juice, but I'm assuming that's exactly what it would be like. <laughs> well, and then part of it would also be his thumb, right? Because he put his thumb underneath and whatever. Anyway, that was stupid. Yeah. That part was stupid. The, after, the, after the number of oranges she used and there wasn't much juice, I thought that was funny. Um, but anyway, so... Uh, yeah, so I think that's one of the big changes uh, in terms of like the dramatic beats. I think um, they, I, where else, like I watching this though, you can see it feels like there was just bits here and there that Lester was like, I got to put one scene in here. So those, the powers that be can't tell where my, where my shit begins and ends and they'll give me credit for this. I feel like that was a lot what was happening and certain shots. Um, I feel like the whole bit of them going to, uh, the three, the three, um, criminals going to, uh, was it, uh, Houston in the middle of nowhere? I forget where it was. It was like East Houston, Oklahoma or something or West Houston. That that's all Lester, right? That whole thing feels like him. I believe that most of that is his. I don't know if Donner shot any of that or not. I know that he says he says uh, in the making of or the origins of, of, of this cut that like that regrettably there were things that he didn't get to shoot that they had to use to fill in gaps in this film. So I don't know. Most of the time they're easy to pick out because the uh, oh, is, is it cinematographer um, Jeffrey Unsworth? Uh, he had a way of of shooting the set. Maybe he's lighting. I don't know my my theatrical terms, unfortunately very well when it comes to filmmaking, but uh, I shouldn't say theatrical terms, the terms for filmmaking, but uh, there's like a haze in both Superman and Donner's bits of Superman two. That's not in the Lester version. Well, yeah, but no, he, he hired a different cinematographer. I was reading about this to make it a more like garish. Like he wanted more of a comic book, comic book colors. Like he wanted it to be a little more loud and kind of abrasive. So yeah, I can see that. Um, so I want to mention though that that Houston sequence though, um, there's like well one when the three of them end up on Earth and we got um, Zod ending up in the water and then him walking on the water and the fisherman looking on the distance and then like you know dumping out his cup, like whatever that's fine it's not great but then um, uh, what's her name um hey sorry I feel bad like the act like the characters uh, what's her name the the, the Margot Kidder no of the three villains. Oh, uh, Sarah Douglas as Ursa. Ursa. The bit when she like walks by, she's like, well, look at the snake. Well, that's a weird thing. And then it bites her. And then she's like, nah, laser eyes. And then sets the thing on fire. Um, in the daughter cut that she's like, I have powers. And, and, uh, you know, Zod's like, well, of course we do, you know, whatever. Um, I just watched, since I just watched the, like the regular theatrical cut that goes on a little bit longer. And, uh, was it non- goes over and picks up the snake and tries using his laser vision on it. And, and it's like, he's not doing so good with it. It's yeah. like, that was cut because like, I can see like uh, you, you mentioning you're like, you're like, there's some stuff that has to exist. It's like, yeah. I was like, who, who gave the okay for like the snake burning, you know, <laughs> like that's what I wanted to know. Um, Cause that was just weird. And also there's the bit in, um, in the, the cut where it like was where the kid, I don't know if this happened. Like I didn't notice this in the, the Lester cut, but the kid in the town, um, you know, that, he was scared and you hear like Zod be like, you now listen to me. And then the kid just takes off on the horse and yeah. he has non take like the, was the, the, the light from the police car, just whip it out in the distance and yeah. they kill that kid. They just straight up kill that kid. 
like I was like, oh, well, I don't know who gave the okay to that, but I guess that's I guess that's comedy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm laughing. Yeah, I mean, um, I I find it funny, probably not for the reasons that they wanted it to be funny. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's I don't I don't believe that's Donner footage. I, I believe that that's all Lester stuff. <laughs> I think that uh, um, most of what Donner had shot was the stuff on Krypton. I think some of the stuff, well, obviously some of the stuff that happens in the Fortress of Solitude. Um, and I think the showing up at the White House. There was also supposed to be an entire sequence where they just go around and screw with uh, national monuments and things like that. Yes. Um, so in, in the, um, the, the cut we're talking about in the Donner cut, there is an added sequence that you see. It's not, it's not the best finished and it's fine. You get what was going across. They, um, they tear down the Washington monument and, uh, and then there's an image of that on the TV and they're talking to the president about it <clears throat> and, and the, the Lester cut, which I, you know, they're the, the three of them, the three, uh, criminals are flying across, uh, Mount Rushmore and they alter, um, the first three presidents into their faces and then Lincoln's face just collapses. And I'm like, yeah, good call. Good call. Not having that in this the, the regular cut of the like the sorry the director's cut of the movie. <laughs> that is some um like that was just I don't get it. Like it was that was just dumb. And I, I do wonder like obviously the conversation about the first one always ends with people going like yeah I love the movie I don't know that I can ever get on board with you know turning the earth around you know <laughs> to turn back time. Boy, do we, have a, is, do we have a movie for you? <laughs> well, there, yeah, that, that's certainly part of it. But also, there's a weird thing happening with the powers in this movie where I, I feel like, you know, in the original Superman, in Donner's 78 Superman, they stick pretty close to, like, the boundaries of things that he can do. Like, he doesn't manifest a new power. Whereas in this, suddenly they can do, like, telekinesis at different times. They can... Uh, particularly at the end of the film where they're facing off the of Superman, they're like beaming in and out or phasing or bamfing, well, however like, you want to put that. Yeah. So, um, so what you're talking about is, uh, in, uh, yeah, the whole thing with, um, was Zod picking up the father in uh, in Houston and dropping the guy, right. That was weird. Right. Uh, but, and so when we get to the, the big showdown after the fight in Metropolis, AKA New York, uh, I like that in the uh, the Donner cut. It's clearly New York. <laughs> like if you get Superman thrown into the Statue of Liberty, that's New York. It's just going to. Well, he 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 wants to point. He does point out. He's like, well, my Metropolis also has a Statue of Liberty <laughs> <laughs> and it's and a World Trade Center. You know, a Twin Towers is fine. You know, whatever. Um, yeah, and you know, and the the Metropolis Yankees and uh, Mets, right? Uh, um, no, but there's there's so in the Fortress of Solitude sequence at the end. And, um, it's played much more, um, like emotionally and thinking wise in the Donner cut, which I think is better. Um, but in the, the, um, the Lester cut, this is when we get the invention of new Superman powers, like a lot of them. Uh, yeah. we get the, the cellophane S that mildly inconveniences non for a second. And then we get, uh, the three of them trying to use their telekinesis powers on Superman, I guess. And he just reflects it back at him. And then he does, um, he becomes, um, I don't know, a mirror master and has yeah. like, well, they first they, they, I like the idea. It's like, they're all just like, and it is disappeared. He's like, what? And then they show up again near him and he's like, oh, okay, wait a second. I disappear too. And then he becomes like four of himself. And it's like, it's weird. 
it doesn't make any sense. Like if they like in today's movie, if you wanted to do, cause I know they would do this with um, the flash where he could move so fast. They would call it. He would like do like um, speed mirages. I could see yeah. them doing Superman doing that too. Right. Cause he's almost on par with the flash in terms of his super speed. But um, that's not what was going on here. It's like, oh, Kryptonians can do this because of the yellow sun. Well, that's different. And then one of the mirages becomes like crystalline that gets destroyed. What? Like, I don't understand any of that whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre where the power sets go in this movie. And uh, you mentioned earlier the Statue of Liberty uh, scene. And I, I, I wanted to mention this real quick. There's a real flair to that. Okay, I'm going to step back real quick. We've seen movies like Endgame and, you know, Civil War with these gigantic, you know, superhero battles that we only thought we could ever see on the comic book page. So if you're stepping in and watching the fight in Metropolis between Superman and Zod, Nan, and Ursa, I'll be honest, it's not great in either version. Like, there's some, like, everybody's supposed to be moving fast feels kind of slow um there's obviously some well let's throw them through a coke sign or you know things that that happen like that however i will say the things that they rescued from donner's cut that they didn't use in the luster cut uh they just look better and work better for instance when superman gets thrown into the the statue of liberties um uh what do you call it? The the torch torch. sorry I was going to say, what do you call it? The Liberty? I don't know. Yeah, you, um, you know, the, the, the Liberty fire thing, you know. <laughs> uh, they cut to a shot of him, like, getting up out of it, and it just frames the S perfectly. Yeah. And then later on, he gets hit with the bus, and in, in, I think it's smashed into the Marvel truck. Or I, Well, no, he, gets hit, he gets hit in that cigarette truck multiple times to the point of, like, man, yeah, that was then, wasn't it, where there's just this big open cigarette truck in the middle of the city. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, he does it again, where like it's a just a cool shot of Superman getting up. Like whereas in the Lester version, it looks like he's just like getting up from underneath it. Like it's a very more power. It's a much more powerful uh, way. And, and it, again, it frames the the S in Superman uh, Superman's costume as he's getting up. Like it's it's far more visually interesting to me. Like I could see that being a frame in a comic book as opposed to the very sort of pedestrian way that Lester approaches it. Not to mention the fact that Lester also really loves his silly comedy, where he's like, hey, how about we have a guy on the phone when the wind is being blown by Zod, Ursa, and Nan, and everybody's getting blown across the street. Uh, But he's going to continue his conversation as he's being blown down the street. How about we have a lady come out of the Kentucky Fried Chicken? That's the other thing, like, people are very like, Oh boy, I can't wa- wait to watch this. Like nobody's like, get the hell out of here. Like, <laughs> this well, is going to be, y- yeah, you know? to be fair. I mean, in both, both cuts, like the, the citizens of Metropolis are all like, what's going on. Let's go look up in the sky. <laughs> like, and then, right. And then they're all like, go get him Superman. And then it's like, whatever, like the antenna, like from the top of the, like, what was it? Um, t- was it radio city? Uh, whatever it is, like, is falling toward, or sorry, Empire State Building is like falling down. Everyone's like, people, like, all they do is duck and cover. It's like, you know, you're already dead, right? Like, that's like, you're done. <laughs> there's, there's just people, it's like, I don't know, I guess I gotta go outside. Let's see what's going on. Better take my ice cream cone with me. <laughs> yeah. But, like, there's the lady who runs out from the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like, 
I think at that point, if there's a superhero battle going on in the streets, that you wouldn't be so concerned with taking the change out to the customer who forgot his, you know, his four cents that uh, was left behind at the KFC. Well, I can Just tell me. you that their manager would fire them for not giving the proper change. <laughs> you know how that is. It's just like, listen, I understand the world's ending, but if, if not, I need to work tomorrow. So here's your change. I can see that. That seems really believable to me. Uh, somebody on roller skates being blown backwards. Uh, somebody with an open umbrella mimicking the singing and the ring dancing, kind of, while being blown around. That's all stupid. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it doesn't work well, unfortunately. But uh, I, there, there are some really great shots in that fight scene that I think uh, uh, happen in the Donner cut that are missing from the Lester cut. And I think it, it has a little bit more weight. Um, I'll also say that... Uh, you know, they at least make a point of Superman being concerned for people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, in preparation for this, I did look at some reviews to see what, you know, fans ha- had said. And it's interesting that I, the ones I seem to find were ones who were like, uh, uh, part of it was like looking in a mirror because it's like all white guys. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's, it's just every other, you know, <laughs> comic book podcast slash um, you know, uh, Wait, are YouTube you say- show are there you, is. Are but- you saying that we're we're um, a dime a dozen and that? You know, <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I with hate that. to put it that way, but yes. Um, <laughs> like and subscribe, sad. everybody. You know, just uh, also. By the way, guys, inside joke and also a plug for Blue Apron. Just you know. Anyway, <laughs> continue. <laughs> uh, that said, a lot of them seem to talk about this film in the context of the Snyder cut, meaning that like they were all more recent reviews of this film and they liked using things that happened in this movie to, uh, sort of, uh, justify things that either happened in man of steel or, you know, what they believe should happen with the Snyder cut. Uh, and I'm like, well, yeah, I'm nobody is really championing Superman two because he kills Zod. Like nobody's like, you know what I love in Superman two when uh, Superman breaks his hand and just lets him die by throwing him into a wall. Like, nobody, that's not the thing that people are championing about Superman. So I, I was a little annoyed by that. I, I'm not so hot on people using that film to defend, you know, things that happen in the current films. Like, I've said it many a time about Batman 89. Like, I'm not a fan of Batman killing, and unfortunately that one squeaks by because I didn't have the knowledge that I do now when that movie came out. So I'm never going to like go, well, he killed people in Batman 89, and I was fine with it 32 years ago. No. <laughs> you can't use that for every justification for something in a movie. Like There are things that, that should carry over from the, the older films, but that's not something that comes directly from the comics either. So that's fair. I guess the, the point that I'm trying to make is, is that like, I understand that, uh, you know, I do the opposite. Or I do the same thing where I will point something out and be like, well, this is why it should be this way. But uh, I just, I kept running into that where I'm like, yeah, you should, you should stop trying to use this movie as your justification for man of steel's ending. <laughs> that's all. I mean, but Lois like kicks Ursa and like what punches her and kills yeah. her. You know, like that's fine. Right. But then somehow they let Luther live. Like, why not just dump him down the hole with the rest of them and be done with it? <laughs> that is really a good point. Like, you know, why do they die? And, and, uh, you know, he lives. And that, that is one of the things that also doesn't make sense about 
then I, I, you know, I, I've, I think I've spoken enough to, to say that, you know, how much I adore Richard Donner's version of Superman. His idea of Superman reversing time to end this movie doesn't really work either because we end the movie and I know that it's not a Richard Lester scene because Donner is actually in the shot yeah. when we're coming the diner into the talking, diner. Yeah. yeah. But at the end of the movie, after reversing time so that none of the events actually happened, he goes back and beats the crap out of the guy who bullied him at the, uh, the, the diner right after he got rid of his powers, which also is a thing where I'm like, Superman just, it just took one guy to beat the crap out of Superman for be like, Oh, this sucks. Not having powers. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Can I, okay. So uh, let me, let me, I want to talk about that for a second. So he goes into like the easy bake oven and, and uh, the sort the fortress solitude. Right. And he's like, Oh no, I'm just a, a regular dude, you know, whatever. So the fortress solitude is supposed to be like the North pole. Right. Um, you now don't have powers. Um, like, how are you getting home? And also right. like you, so, so where, so this hot dog joint is like, is that Alaska? Did you like drive to Alaska? And you're like, Oh man, we've been driving all night. I mean, two weeks, possibly who knows I could go for a hot dog. And then the first person you encounter is this asshole. And you're like, Oh, I wouldn't, you know, please don't, you know, let's take this outside or whatever. And the guy beats you up and hands you, hands you your ass. And you're like, Oh man, I can't do this. And then the TV's like, by the way, um, there's now three super people here. Where is Superman? And he's like, I've made a grave mistake. You know, like, <laughs> um, so then he hitches, he hitchhikes his way back to the North pole. Like what? I don't understand any of this. Like, unless it's like, you know, like North pole, Alaska, which is a place, you know, like maybe, cause I feel like the fortress of solitude is just like, it's just like like off of like I eighty or whatever, and like you know like northern Saskatchewan <laughs> or something. You're like, just go come on down. It's worth the solitude. It's right near the Beaver Lodge or whatever. Like it's just, it's not that far away. You know, like it's just I the the location of that. At least I'll say what you will about like um the 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 most the the more recent movies like especially in Batman vs Superman, like he has these powers. He just walks north like that. That makes more sense to me. Because mm -hmm. he just wants to be alone and he's not going to die, right? It's like, uh, you know, whatever. I, that was always confusing to me, and also like, especially like in in um, the uh, the the, uh, the freaking uh, Donner cut, we get an extended sequence of um, of um, Luther and Miss Tasmacher, Tasmacher, like heading to the, like wherever. Right. And it's like, it, it looks like it takes a while, but then there's a whole of the sequence there about how she wants to find a bathroom. Cause she hasn't gone in two days. That's not in like the theatrical cut, which is like, it's a pretty funny joke. I'm surprised Lester's like, yeah, I can't have good humor in my movie. <laughs> it's well, not even good humor, but the bit of like, you hear a noise. And she's like, I think I found it. It's like, what did you do with the fortress of solitude? And where did you do it at? <laughs> It just reminds me of the episode of The Simpsons where I think uh, Homer's in Burns' mansion and he asks he's in the bathroom and like uh, he's just running down the hall trying to find it and when he comes back, Burns is like, I take it you found the bathroom okay? And he's like, 
Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it, makes, it just makes me think of Dumb and Dumber with Jeff Daniels in the one bathroom, and it's like he suffers from the turbo lax, and like he can't flush. And then uh, was a Holly Hunter's like, well, what what are you doing there? He's like, oh, I'm just I'm shaving. And she's like, well, okay, good. Just don't use the toilet because it's broken. <laughs> but so, yeah, the Fortress Solitude location is weird to me. Um, also, Superman getting into one fist fight. And he suddenly is like, yeah, this being this whole being a human thing kind of sucks. Um, like and he goes back up, up north. Right. Like, I don't know if I buy either movies, either version of how he gets his powers back. Cause um, and we'll talk about Brando here in a minute. I think he's the stronger of the presentations of uh, Krypton, but I got to say that um, in the Lester cut, they still made it a point to have his, his Superman's mother and the, the memories referred to as Krypton which I feel like if you're going to say it that way, you owe Marlon Brando money. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But like the whole thing of this, like my son, I, I knew one day you'd want to become mortal and go into the easy bake oven. And now you're mortal. And he's like, Oh, now you're back. And now I must give you all of my power and I will become the Bishop of battle. And my fate, my, my electronic face will come into you. And now you are Superman again. It's like, I don't know. It also feels like a cop out where it's like, there's no turning back until this moment. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean neither one of them uh work very well i will say that uh the brando footage uh does work better yeah um particularly the scene where he gives up his powers. yeah uh and i will there's a moment i love where uh lois lane is like standing there watching this all go down wearing the superman shirt which uh, oddly sexy for a 1980s superhero movie, but uh, he's he she's watching it go down, and like Brando's Jarrell like looks over at her, like even though he's dead and not really there, like he's like you're the one who made him do this, aren't you? Like it's just it's very sort of like the shitty look that he gives her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, I know. It's, and I, I kind of yeah. love the way that it it, it plays out, but. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's better with Brando, uh, in my opinion. No, I agree. And all that, all the sequences with him, and uh, just even though you can tell, like, I mean, I, say what you want about Brando. Like, I know there's a lot of him phoning shit in, but it's just he still has a presence. Like, he's so so good looking in that suit and, and the hair. And I know he's you know he's starting to like you know plump up a little bit there, but my God, he's still like it, it's he he brings gravitas to this movie, you know, even if he's just reading cue card staple to somebody's back or whatever it is that he would do at that time. Um, it looks good. And I know that they were compositing some of this, but they found all the footage, uh, of that because I know you mentioned that they didn't want to pay him for a second movie. So they just didn't use the footage until now. Right. Or well, when they did the cut, it, yeah. it works way better. And then, cause even later in, in the, the, the Lester cut, uh, Superman yells out father, at one point it's like, but he mm -hmm. was never talking to his dad. He was always talking to his mom. I don't know. That seems weird to me. It's funny. I, it had never really occurred to me how much they'd cut Brando out of the second one in the sense that like, I'm like, Oh yeah, they show the, you know, the Phantom zone criminals being punished. Like I'm <laughs> like, do, he's kinda. gotta be in that because yeah. that's how they filmed it in the first one. And like the shots that they use, like everything, Brando's completely missing. And then I'm like, well, they do a, you know, in the theatrical, they do sort of a, a quick montage of scenes from the first one. And it's only the mother putting him in the show. Yeah. <laughs> like he's completely absent. I'm like, 
wait a minute. Well, did you also never like notice this? How they showed Zod and company like how it's just like, what's going on? Oh, and this is this in the Lester cut where it's like, oh, there's somebody in an outfit, I guess, like a, a super suit or something like a stormtrooper. And they go and like strangle him. And then they find the like this one red crystal and they break it. And all of a sudden it's like that was the trap that was laid to cause like the hula hoops of doom to drop down on them. It's like, what was this plan? I don't understand any of this whatsoever. <laughs> Like, well, what about the poor sap that they had to go, you know, like they sacrificed essentially to, to catch them. Yeah. Like, what, if that was <laughs> a plan, like, it's like, they're like, they're like, listen, uh, yeah, Bill of Krypton, um, you know, you're not like, you're part of our security force, but you know, you need to do better. It's like, we're going to give you one last opportunity. And they're like, we're going to give you one last opportunity. You know, they don't even tell him. It's like, yeah, he's going to get neck broken by Zod. And it's like, yeah, but that's the price he's going to pay for the, the betterment of Krypton. Yes. <laughs> So I guess I think we've covered pretty much most of it. I think I, I, I think that uh, we've kind of pointed out that uh, the Donner footage looks better, that Donner had a better sense of humor, and at least Donner and Tom Mankiewicz, which I wanted to mention as well, uh, Mankiewicz talks about it in the uh, commentary that uh, after they fired Richard Donner, um, he got a call and they're like, hey, can you go consult on you know, Richard Lester's version. And he's like, no. <laughs> um, Cause I don't know if, if uh, we talked about this uh, when we covered the first one, but like Donner was the one who brought him onto the film. Like he literally, when he got the movie, he called him. He's like, Tom, you gotta, you gotta come work on this with me. Like you have to, you, I have, I need you to be a part of this. I need your like writing prowess to do, to pull this off. So, He's very much, you know, a, a Richard Donner loyalist and friend, but they're like, okay, well, how about this? How about we send you over to wherever they were shooting and you just bump into him? <laughs> and he's like, I'm not doing that either. He's like, you know where my loyalty lies. I'm not doing that. So um, I just think that was funny that they tried to get him to come over and help Richard Lester it just, it just feels behind like, Donner's back. It feels like, you know, like somebody was left at the altar and like the bride to be was like, Hey, I, I'm not going to marry you, but you're a really good wedding planner. Could you just come in and please just finish planning the wedding? Why I marry this other dude? And we're not going to pay you. Like, it's, just like <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so weird that, you know, how all that shook out and, um, you know, the, the differences are, are pretty vast. And I guess, Maybe we'll just talk about the ending here to wrap up, unless you have anything else. Uh, um, I, I wanted important. to mention the the more and like I feel like there was an extended presence of um, of uh, crap. Um, I'm my mind's um, you know, Luther, especially towards the, like the big fight at like the in Metropolis. There's a shot of Gene Hackman sprawled across tops of uh, filing cabinets, drinking like a coffee, just watching everything. That is my mm -hmm. favorite shot in the movie. That's not in the Lester cut. It's just him just like lounging around, just watching, just seeing like whoever wins, he wins. It's kind of the way he views it. Yeah. And I don't remember if, uh, it's, if it's in both cuts or not, but, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Olsen is, is running in with a drink. Yeah. No, that's, that's in the Donner okay. cut where he just grabs, he grabs the coffee. He's like, this is for the chief. He's like, I'm the chief. And just grabs it yeah, from he's him. like, this is for the chief. He's like, ah, chief's got it. And he just starts drinking. It. <laughs> it's so great. Um, 
Yeah, and like, uh, and then like, and you can see how bad it is in um, the theatrical cut when they dub Hackman. It's like, it is bad. Like, it is noticeably bad when they dub him. It, it just, it's, it's a bummer. Yeah, and I feel like I, all I've done this episode is just regurgitate facts from the commentary. But uh, uh, Tom Mankiewicz had also talked about that uh, he'd read a review that uh, Hackman's performance is so much better under Richard Lester. And so he wrote the critic and he was like, I was there and I can tell you that Richard Lester didn't shoot one frame of footage with Gene Hackman. And he's like, funny, my response never got printed in the newspaper or wherever this writer was published. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, he, both, yeah. both cuts though. Ned Beatty gets done dirty. You know, we'll just be honest. He gets, it is weird. Yeah, like yeah. And, and it's, it happens in both films, but he gets cut out early in the film. And then after Luther, leaves the the fortress of solitude where does miss testmacher go right like, she's just missing from the movie too he probably ate her for sustenance on the way back down <laughs> no but there's like a- there, there's a joke in the donner cut when um and uh Beatty, uh when otis uh and uh luther in prison when they're in the laundry uh after luther reveals he has this black box that can track like you know superman or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I know another thing too. He's like, and he mentions, he's like, and so-and-so what's the bed and hands, he hands uh, Otis the, like the prison bottoms. Right. And, and, he, and so then Otis backs up and he, like whispers to the person behind him. He's like, yeah, so-and-so is a bedwetter, pass it on. And then he realizes it's the guy that the, the, yeah. the, the person that jokes <laughs> cut from the theatrical cut. Like that's such a, like, I don't understand that one because it's just another like three, four seconds. And it's actually pretty funny. And Ned Beatty, God bless him. Like he's, he's so good at playing like the idiot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird that he just falls out of the movie. And I I guess, I guess maybe that was just the way they wrote it or they, maybe they knew they only had him for so many days. I don't know. Uh, But it is, it is funny that uh, he's just gone after 20 minutes of being in the movie. Yeah. Well, and then also, okay. So like you're trying to talk about the ending. I just want to mention, I I, I don't want to leave. This is, um, this would be, uh, um, what was it? Chekhov's, uh, uh, bathroom cigar. Um, so with Perry white. So when we get to the bit of Superman going to reverse time, it starts with Perry white in the bathroom with a cigar in his mouth. He's wearing a bathrobe and he's about to put toothpaste, um, on his toothbrush. And then it starts rolling backwards. But the entire time you see him with the cigar in his mouth, where, like at that point, why are you brushing your teeth? If you're going to try to, you know, if you have your, if you have your good night cigar and you're, you're not done with it yet and you're going to brush your teeth, like what's the point? I, I don't know. Yeah. I've never quite understood uh, that choice. I guess maybe because they're like, well, he's got a cigar in every other scene. How about we just put one in the bathroom with him too? Which makes me just think that like, you know, he, he takes a shower with it in, he, you know, uh, takes a dump. He's still got his <laughs> cigar in his mouth. Uh, you know, making love to his wife, still got the cigar. Uh, he just can't go anywhere without it, apparently. Evidently. So, so yeah, I just wanted to mention the bathroom cigar. That was weird to me. Yeah. Well, we all have bathroom cigars. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I guess. I don't, like, <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't everybody keep stogies in their, their medicine cabinet? Uh, yeah. Now, the next time I go to the bathroom, I'm going to fire one up to cover whatever else, like whatever other <laughs> smells in there. Because my wife will be like, God, that's a terrible cigar smell. It's like, you don't even want to know. Like... <laughs> Uh, yeah swisher sweets baby oh, swisher sweets yeah. it's like what smells like a stogie it's like I'm, well i've not been smoking a cigar today i don't know anyway sorry <laughs> um yeah so yeah you wanted to mention you want to talk about the ending 
Yeah, I, I think it's it's important to talk about. Um, you know, one of the things that they had to figure out when they decided, well, we're going to do this Richard Donner cut of the film, is we need to um, figure out how to end the movie because. Richard Lester had a new ending in which Superman kisses Lois and makes her forget yet another new superpower that uh, Superman apparently has. Um, and Donner didn't like it. Um, and I don't know at what point the processor like, well, you know what, if the original ending was supposed to be turning the world around, let's just use that. Let's present the film as it was originally, you know, written that way. You know, we don't have to use his, you know, Lester's idea. We don't have to film something new or try to, you know, figure out a new ending that, you know, would not fit with this at all. Um, and again, it's problematic um, because it does undo everything that happens in the movie. Um, but there's a selective memory thing going on where Lois in her last scenes sort of is like, I was supposed to do something important today, and, some, and she says something about Clark being super, and it's it's a it's a little too much on the nose for me. Um, I don't mind it, um, but it is uh, for all of its problems in the first one. I think that turning the world backwards works better in in the first one for me. I don't know uh, how your uh, mileage may your mileage may vary, but. Uh, um, I just wanted to, you know, kind of talk about that a little bit and how you feel about the fact that, you know, as opposed to using Lester's ideas, they were like, well, let's just put it out there as it was first written. Yeah, I mean, because if this is supposed to be the, the, the Donner idea for the second film, that was supposed to be the original ending, and that's fine. And one of the people said that... um that they didn't like the idea of the magic kiss because one, it's stupid as all get out. But two, they said that the only time that she's like, they say um, Clark doesn't kiss Lois, Superman kisses Lois. And I was like, well, that's important because at this point, the, the very last thing we see in the lesser cut is like, you know, it's Superman, but it's Clark kissing her. Right. And it, cause she is mm-hmm. kind of distraught. It's like almost this thing of like, she kind of knows too much now. And it's like, I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad way to kind of put her. I mean, she kind of goes from zero to 60 fast with it after punching a woman that falls to her death and suddenly she's not upset that Superman's out all night being Superman, whatever. Um, for her to be like, this is, you know, this has been stressful and he realizes that, you know, he does love her, but he doesn't want to give her this type of life. I, you know, I don't, I think the, the memory wipe kiss is, is a cop out, but I don't mind the actual emotional reality of where Lois would be at that point that would kind of make sense to me. And that would be, feel like it'd be a good starting off point for a third movie versus, you know, wrapping up a second one of him, of him trying to find that balance between being Clark and Superman for her. Right. I think that'd have been more challenging and more interesting. But, um, with that being said, I understand why they did the reversing of everything. And then him being the one that has the knowledge, the only two things I don't like about that for this movie is one, he has, the, you know, he goes back and kicks the ass of that trucker, which, is actually a better and more fitting ending for the Lester cut because no one's forgotten anything except for Lois. So he goes and just beats the hell out of that guy. And that's yeah. way, that's way more satisfying in that cut of the film. It's like, Hey, by the way, I'm Superman and now you're going to go down. And then I like, he has the money ready for the diner. He's like, sorry for all the problems I've caused. That's awesome. And that concept, it's great in the, mm-hmm. in this cut of the film, the director's cut, it's like, it doesn't make sense. Um, so that's a problem. Also, if he 
it was never brought to his attention that his heroic act in the first movie is what caused the problems of the second movie. So how far back did he go? Because he still has to deal with the two missile problem that Luther set up at the beginning of the first movie. And it's never really clarified what he did there to stop that and to keep like, he never diverted course of the missile and let the phantom zone prisoner stay in the phantom zone. You know, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it also gets weird where you're like, okay, well, how far did he go back? And we see them go back into the phantom zone and you're like, well, wouldn't he just, wouldn't he just accidentally free them again? And we just relive the events over and over again. Yeah. Like, wouldn't you almost be stuck in a time loop at that point? So it, 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 it it's not as clean, unfortunately, as I think they would like it to be. Um, so what you're saying is Richard Pryor comes along in the third one and saves it all. That's, <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> um, no, I, two things that I, you know, I, I've been very like heavy on both the commentary and the special features of the, the Donner cut. But, you know, one of the things that Donner talks about is, is that like, it's, it really hurt him that he did not get to do like the continuing adventures of Superman. Like he wanted to do sequels. He wanted mm-hmm. like after two, he's like, you know, there was a thought that, you know, I would produce the third one and Tom would direct it. And then I would come back and do four and we would work on them in tandem. And like, he had a whole plan for what he wanted to do. Maybe not story wise, but he's like, you know, I wanted to do the continuing adventures of Christopher Reeve as Superman, um, which uh, breaks my heart even more knowing what happens with four. Um, but yeah. so that's a whole other bag. That's a whole other ball of wax. Um, but, uh, I was going somewhere with that. Uh, Oh, um, you know, uh, the film itself, you know, as a, you know, a love letter almost to the work that, uh, you know, Christopher Reeve, uh, and Margot Kidder and everyone mm-hmm. did, uh, at the time that it was, it was made. I'm so glad that this cut exists. I'm, I'm so glad that we got to see it. And I, I would really, I, I would really love to, you know, know what, a, a what, you know, could ex- it almost could have been, you know, not to the extent of what happened with Marvel, but like, you know, think if, you know, just John Favreau, you know, kept making Iron Man or whatever, like it, that's that's the equivalent that I can think of. I mean, it's not so much the Batman Returns phase where it's like, oh, the first one did great. The second one, hey, Tim, uh, we're going to bring in somebody else. Like, I guess yeah. that's a closer analogy, but I don't know. I, I, I would really love to know what those movies would have been. And I think it could have been something special. And I think that. And it could have actually changed course for comic book movies, right? Because. Like after the, the first one, because we talk about it being a very foundational movie and doing well to show that you can do a comic book film. And that kind of fell away until we get to until we get to Batman 89. Right. Yeah. So it makes you wonder what else would it could have been had there been a little bit more, you know, seriousness given to it. I mean, I'm not saying that like they, they you know, it's not that you have to rush out and make comic book movies at this time. But, you know, you make Superman work that that should be like. 
that, not that that's impossible, but my God, like you're taking one of the, like the biggest characters with one of the most, like a God in man form and you're making, you made a wonderful film. And then in this case you see like pretty much where he was going with it and you still believe it. Like it makes you wonder what could have happened at that time. And, but because this kind of, you know, they kind of fell on their keys on purpose. It almost feels like, you know, because they just kind of let this happen and, and I'm sure it made its money and then they just milked it for sequels without any real merit. I mean, I've not seen three in forever. I'm going to guess that it's probably not great. And I've not seen, I think four, I mean, I've seen four just because I remember liking, um, what was it? Radioactive man. That's not his name. Um, <laughs> but it's what he is man. though, right? It's, is it radioactive man? It's not, that's, that's the Simpsons uh, hero, right? You're close. Uh, nuclear man. Yeah. Okay, great. The, the, you know, the, the W, uh, a nuclear man, you know, <laughs> <laughs> with his fingernails, right. And his hair, you know, anyway, um, yeah, I just, this, this was good to visit and it was, I think it was really good to visit on the eve. I think your call for, um, watching this before we get into the, the Zack Snyder, uh, justice league, right. Is a really good call because we see this isn't, this isn't an issue of us watching in real time because if the, there's people driving away right now to go watch the Snyder cut behind me. Um, <laughs> like, uh, but, um, with, <laughs> this isn't an issue of like, had, had the, the internet been around at the time and that kind of media presence, maybe this would have been more in the forefront of like people's minds. People have been like, we need, we need the Donner cut. No, like this kind of was one of those things when they found the footage and they're like, Hey, do you want to do this? And I Donner was hesitant, but they're like, we can do this. Let's see what's going on. And it was, became a thing. Like it was an actual labor of love as opposed to what people were felt they were owed. And I think that's going to be a much bigger conversation next week because I feel like, because it was so forefront of knowing there was um, changes behind the scenes to make the justice league that people automatically felt they were owed something that I know you and I joked for what, two years that this thing was never going to exist. And now we're going to eat some crow four hours worth actually, because it does now. Um, I think these both now have been brought to fruition in completely two different universes in terms of like, um, why they exist. I think this one exists because it was almost Warner brothers being like, you know, we got this, we need to bring the right people in to finish this. This would be an interesting thing to, to bring out around the same time as Superman returns. Cause that's around the same time. Cause that's when they're starting to make them that movie. And they found the footage, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much tied into Superman returns. Uh, yeah, cause they or at least using, the making of yeah. it, I should say. Cause they yeah. use Brando on that too. So, mm-hmm. but it's like, it was almost like, yeah, it almost felt like this is a quantum leap thing of like, we need to set right. What once went wrong? Well, I feel like justice league is like, people are just angry. Like they, they I just, all I hear is just like, I just, I vitriol about like why they didn't get the thing they wanted. And now they're going to get the things they think they wanted. And either they're going to lap it up or they're going to pretend they like it. And I, I guess we'll find out next week when we talk about it. Yeah, I, I, I really, I, I know that we joke a lot about the Snyder Cut, and we 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 poke at the the Superman v uh, Batman v Superman. We we poke fun at Man, Man of Steel, um, and the idea of a Snyder Cut even existing. I'm really hoping, like I I hope we sit down next week, and I'm like I'm I'm ready to eat crow, man. This was amazing. Like I really want that to happen. Yeah, me too. I'm, I mean, I, I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I, I would love that to be. I would love to be wrong. We'll put it that way. So hopefully, yeah. I am. And 
you know, we'll get there next week. And, and I, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting conversation. I, before we started recording, we were talking about whether or not we want to sit down and revisit uh, J- J- Justice League from 2017, which, oddly enough, my first show is an official uh, host of the show. So uh, I may actually go back and listen to it and see if I've gotten better or worse. But, uh, you every, know, every the, minute of every day, Steve, you've gotten better. <laughs> I think you're going to say gotten worse. Um, <laughs> well, that's, that sounds like a you problem. I'm just trying to give you a compliment, you know. Like, step outside but, the Easy Bake Oven, you still have your power, Steve. You don't have to, you know. <laughs> I am really curious to see, like, you know, what this movie is. And and uh, I, I I hope I come out the other side the way I, I did with the Donner Cut, where I'm like, this is a far superior movie. Or, or, or maybe, how about, how, how about the bar is that, like, we... We, we now know what Donner was trying to go for uh, for the most part. And we can, uh, we can appreciate the vision and we can see what we liked about it. And we can see what he's going for. Is the bar going to be set of like, whether or not we may like aspects of the Snyder cut, can we say the bar is, this is what the director wanted to do. And we didn't see that. I think that would be fair. Yeah. I think that's fair as well. Okay. So, so yeah, the last thing I just want to mention real quick is that the the one the one scene we get between um, uh, Gene Hackman and Christopher Reeve is amazing. Like I love it when they're in the Fortress of Solitude, and um, and and uh, you know um, why do I forget these names? They're all so iconic. Whenever we get uh, um, him talking, like when Zod's about to kill, um, why is my my brain f- uh, flat out falling apart here? Luther, whenever he's like, kill him. And then he goes over to Superman. He's like, hey, you know, promises were made or whatever. And then Superman's like, hey, by the way, there's this uh, chamber behind me. If they all get inside, they're going to lose their powers. And then the moment Luther turns around, he's like, yeah, there's a chamber right here. And Superman's <laughs> like, Lex, you snake. Like, it was, that was wonderful. I love that interplay, especially when we know that Superman's playing like the long game. But mm. I just love that brief just... That interaction with the two of them was great. And I love it when, when uh, Hackman's like, at least with you, I know where a man stands. Like, that was a delight. And I mean, it's in both cuts, but I think somehow it's like a little bit longer in the Donner one. And I love the interplay. And I wish we would have had a little bit more of that through the whole movie. I agree. And actually, it's, you know, even though he's the sole villain of the first Superman movie, they only get a couple of scenes together. And they only get a couple, well... Yeah, well, no, because he's he's outside the building when he shows up. So yeah. they literally only get this one scene in this film. So, um, and that's actually one of the, the few reasons that I I have a soft spot for four is that uh, I love Gene Hackman as Luther, and uh, everybody's trying so hard in that movie. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> uh, is really trying to make something good, um, and uh, I'll leave it at that. But uh, fair enough. I mean, yeah. also I just want to point out they definitely show in the in the uh um the Donner cut that the the kryptonite necklace that Superman was wearing got dropped into like the sewer and we know that causes Superman to be weak wouldn't it have been great to have maybe have that come back and have like the three criminals have to deal with kryptonite I don't know just going to throw it out there as a what if that would have been nice to actually see Superman's weakness actually being used to help him fight the bad guys as opposed to the easy bake oven of science or whatever it was yeah, it's actually, and and again, this can go against either film. Now that you've brought that point up, like, why didn't Luther use that against them? Yeah, why didn't he just walk like, into the White House and be like, "Hey, guys, I know you're mad at me, but look at the shiny rock. Kneel before me." You yeah, know? <laughs> I guess it would also, you know, it, we we could 
talk about it to death or rewrite, if you will, what what could and shouldn't have been. But uh, in that instance, you know, maybe we wouldn't have gotten the wonderful hacking performance that we did. But yeah, so. he was great. So anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think you're, I think we're, uh, I think we're here. This is, um, this has been an interesting discussion about uh, the year of the sequel, which we talked about. We've talked about two sequels, right. And, and, uh, in a way, and I would say I'd recommend the Donner cut, uh, and then not so much Lester cut. Cause I think the Donner cuts actually a more complete film. And I think that they, the sensibilities are better there. Uh, so people have not seen Superman two in a long time. Like we talked about at the beginning of the show. Watch it. I think I think uh, the Donner cuts actually. I think it's quite enjoyable, and I think it's very successful in a lot of ways. And you can see that um, it is. It's not the f- completely full or fully realized movie, but it's pretty close. And I think that I think it's pretty good for for a what if. I agree, and like I said, I'm I'm glad that we got this cut of the ver- the, the movie. I'm glad that this is out there for you know the ages to see, and uh, I I am surprised that yeah I didn't even think to look on HBO Max now that you you pointed that out I don't know why it's not on there it should be yeah I just I don't know but anyway it's, particularly it's, if they're you know going whole hog on the DCU and you know showing people that they have as much content as say Disney Plus why not throw that on there I mean Disney Plus is now going to the Ewoks movie so hell <laughs> it's content wars throw it all up there i i um i enjoyed that your wife uh re- reacted like fondly about the movies when you posted about it i just want to throw yeah. that out there um I- i'm sure oh, that- we'll watch him oh she- she's gonna be in pain but we'll watch him <laughs> to have and to hold and to ewok and not ewok right so, yeah yeah um yeah uh, so i think that's going to do it for our discussion about superman 2 the donner cut uh, you guys can find us on Facebook at Invasion the Podcast. Let us know your thoughts about the movie or the Lester cut or, or you know, all things Superman. And then I know I know we'll have opinions next week going into Justice League. Uh, you can email us directly at invadingpodcast@gmail.com. Um, wherever you get your uh, podcast rate and reviews would be greatly appreciated. And Steve, how can people find you? You can find me at the SaturdayNightSlasher.com. You can find me on Etsy uh, under the Art of the Slash if you want to buy a comic and if you want to stop by their socials. Although, admittedly, I haven't really posted much on Instagram or Facebook recently, but uh, Facebook and Instagram, just look for Saturday Night Slasher. Hey, you posted a photo of that was the American Dream burger that we talked about last week, and that was amazing. I still I still understand the science behind that. I'm still really confused by it. Um, yeah, but- your, your friend Rich, uh, uh, he was really uh, – he, he texted – or he messaged me uh, from our Fly episode, Richard. Um, he uh, – was uh, very excited about the American dream. So <laughs> what another friend of mine messaged me. He's like, I kind of want to want it. He was like, I, I kind of want it. I was like, I'll give you $5 towards it happening. If you want to make it a reality, I'll pay $5 towards them making an American dream burger. That's fine. I, I you know, that, I guess it'd be almost like a GoFundMe for a funeral, but I'll give you $5. That's fine. <laughs> GoFundMe for a funeral. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, um, just a heads up, it's going to be, it's probably going to be a little bit of a longer show because we're going to be four hours in Snyderland. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, director's cut of justice league. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. It's going to be, it's going to be a thing and I'm sure we'll have opinions and I'm looking forward to talking to Steve about it. I'm not looking forward to chopping out four hours of my weekend, but, um, just because, I don't know. I, I, I hate to say that I had some animosity towards this, but I kind of have some animosity towards this, but we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. The four hour runtime is not helping my enthusiasm for this. <laughs> 
Well, what what we can do here is that if we don't like it, one of us can run around the earth and turn around backwards and then make sure that neither one of us ever watch it, right? Or or we one of us watches it and is so disturbed the other one has to kiss the other one to wipe their memory. <laughs> I don't know which is more, uh, uh, which is worse or, or less plausible. So uh, I guess we're probably gonna have to go with the kiss because I'm not running anywhere. <laughs>